following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the Big Old Show, episode 776 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today, finally, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page, everybody. So, we had the Jackhammer episode. We did have the Jackhammer episode. And we got some feedback on it, but we want to kind of explain what's going on, because we haven't talked about the litany of issues that we have encountered with the home that we moved into. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's 122 years old. We didn't want to be negative Nancys about literally everything having to do with our move to Washington, D.C. Yeah, we don't want to be sad clowns. Yes, so we didn't talk about a lot of those issues, but we've... One of the issues that we've been having is a significant plumbing problem. And we didn't realize apparently the extent of it. And there's been a lack of communication between the landlord, our property manager, and us. And sometimes these crews just show up to start doing work on the house. And they don't need to deal with us because it's like issues related to the basement or um, down below the house. So they just start doing their work down there and we realize, oh, there are people here doing construction work. What's <laughs> what's going on? And this has happened like three times related to the plumbing issue specifically. And so yesterday was no different. The jackhammer's going. They are pounding up the concrete to get into one of the pipes downstairs. And I mean, the plumbing issue has been like every time a toilet flushes or the shower's going... There's like intense horror film gurgling in the kitchen sink. Oh, there was. I mean, I I don't know if it was just straight up sewage, but it was not great when you went in there into the sink in the kitchen and saw what was going gurgling up. Yeah, so every time you used like the garbage disposal, for example, both sides of the sink would start filling with liquid. Like it was just, <laughs> and I know this is going to come as a surprise, but I know nothing about plumbing. So you, what? What? <laughs> yeah, it's really surprising. So <laughs> I I was like, is this sink issue related to what's going on outside with the pipes? And one of the plumbers was like, absolutely, it's related. That's for sure related. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's all taken care of now because they have patched the concrete back up. They were here literally all day. Seriously, I almost went out there when they were packing up to leave. It was dark outside. Right. I mean, it was like 730 at night. Yeah. So, but here's, here's, I want to just kind of, if you didn't listen to the the minute and a half or two minutes that we did yesterday, (laughs) this is, we came in, we sat down, we got everything set, the, 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 everything was ready to go. We were ready to hit record, and this is what happened. I hope everybody can hear that. That is a jackhammer outside the window of the studio. Great. As you can imagine, 
not tenable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't sure in the moment whether it was a city crew, um, but they were on our property. I mean, it wasn't, and it ended up not being a city crew. It was a private plumbing contractor that came out to eviscerate a, a concrete pad mm-hmm. and do whatever work they had to do. Mm-hmm. And then what took them late into the night was re-pouring the pad, the the concrete. Right, so right. pretty, a situation you can't record in. Yeah. So hopefully. What? Go ahead. No, please. Go ahead. It's good. Easy. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we are through some of the um, major problems Absolutely. that we have encountered now. Yes. Yes. That would be nice. So on with the show. Yeah. We have some listener communication that we want to get to before we move on, as we always do, and we encourage you to take part in the conversation. 657-464-7609. And of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Last time on the show, we talked about um, these don't say gay bills in the Florida. That's what it's being nicknamed. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've talked about the book banning and people refusing to allow their children to be taught history mm-hmm. in this country. And I made a, a remark about how it seems like at some point teaching your children, like let's say Holocaust denial or whatever, at some point it's going to cross over into child abuse. Uh, it's kind of an offhand remark I made and we got a call about it. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Gilly. I use they them pronouns, and I'm from Colorado. Um, in regards to reporting child abuse, um, I think it would be great if we could consider harmful ideologies and teachings of children to be child abuse. But uh, I'm a mandatory reporter, and I work for Planned Parenthood, and I have to re- and we have to report abuse of a minor, even if it's already been reported. Um, if they're still a minor, um, and every time we call, they don't do dick. Um, I, this wasn't a work situation. The people living above us, uh, family, a uh, little boy, um, uh, eight or nine at the time, um, we literally heard her smack him and say, do you want me to hit you again? We had recording of it because this was going on and we suspected that it was going on. Um, so we were like prepared when we would start to hear the beginnings of what was probably abuse. And when we heard that, that's what we called. Didn't nothing happen. Nothing ever happened. They could be strangling the child and they're not gonna do dick. Um, so that's a lovely thought. Uh, but they don't even Crackdown on physical abuse, really. So that's not anything that's going to get enforced, even if it was considered child abuse. Just, just a thought. Not really happy one. Sorry. Uh, love the show. You're both the best part. All right, bye. So this is kind of why when you Jesse said that it should be considered child abuse I kind of in the moment was grappling with that in real time like I asked you I don't remember what happened exactly but I asked you a few follow-up questions yeah well also I could tell on your face that it was you were going through something thinking about it 
Yeah, and that's because I am a mandated reporter as well as as a therapist, obviously. And I I wouldn't say that my experiences have been as bad as Gilly's, as described there, because there have been many times where I've made calls and it's been taken as a report. There have been some situations where I've made a call and I thought it would for sure be taken as a report and it was taken as information only, which means they're not actually going to file an official report mm-hmm. and send someone out as just kind of taken as like a, a note to if, if there's another call that comes in or something to kind of back up that information. Um, but yeah, I mean, the system is very imperfect. If you do make a call, they're going to ask you if there's uh, a visible mark that was left typically when it comes to physical abuse and there needs to be some sort of visible mark that was left in order for it to continue on being a report. This also really depends on who you get, like who you're talking to. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it shouldn't be like that, but but sometimes that is the case where it's going to be dependent on who you're talking to. So as we know, the social service system is overwhelmed, overworked. Sure. And that that's primarily when you brought that up, why I was like, uh, let me... Well, also... I- I wasn't speaking from the perspective of a mandatory reporter. I was speaking in the air colloquially about what child abuse is, not the technicalities of actually going and reporting to to, to CPS. Mm-hmm. So we were. That's why you and 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 Gilly. I'm not speaking to your specific. You know, I was just. I'm using child abuse like the common usage. The the you know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I guess if something is considered child abuse, though, the next logical step is like, how would we actionably deal with that? Yeah. Well, and I realize, yeah, is actionably a word? I don't know. <laughs> actionably. Who knows? Schneebly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but certainly it, it, it you know, re- reporting child abuse is a situation where the government has to kind of walk this fine line, this tightrope between mm-hmm. the rights of parents mm-hmm. and and the the well being of the child. Right. You know, if if you're if you're actually physically harming a child, it it seems. I mean, look, taking someone's kids away is a, an extreme measure for the government to take. Mm-hmm. We, we obviously want to default to to keeping kids safe, mm-hmm. and I'm out of my depth here, but. You know, it, it's not as easy as, oh, yeah, get take those kids away. Because mm-hmm. then what? Then what? Then they're in the system. Mm-hmm. More trauma. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm certainly not advocating for, oh, yeah, leave the kids in a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. But but oftentimes, there it, it's a lot more of a difficult decision to be made mm-hmm. than people give it. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, that you're you're more just trying to make a point that, this is something maybe that should be taken more seriously, like preventing your kids from learning about the real world and even indoctrinating them with false ideas and that those things should be taken more seriously and viewed as much more damaging than they actually are in society right now. I I think that's probably what you were getting at with the label of like, it's abusive to do this. Yeah, maybe that's that's the word I should have used is that it's abusive. Mm Mm-hmm. Not it's child abuse because I'm sure people's ears were burning all over podcast land, mm-hmm. wherever that is. Yeah. Anyway, but Gilly, thank you. Yeah. For the call, we appreciate it. Uh, it. I'm. It is nice to know that other people were were as 
itching to say something as you were well, no. in the moment. I mean, I wasn't itching to say something. I was more in the moment trying to grapple with what that really meant and what that would look like. And I ultimately decided that that's how I was going to take it, that you were just meaning it's something that should be considered abusive and you're not really making an argument because about, about how that should be dealt with because you don't actually you haven't gotten that far. Yeah, well, also, l- listen, this opens up the whole other topic of who decides what is and what is not abusive relative to what you teach your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, is it abusive that you, you don't want to teach them about the quote-unquote birds and the bees until they're 18? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, these are very complex issues with a lot of moving parts. It's not as easy as this is the one way, this is the right way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, just because parents are dumb shits who raise their kids to be dumb shits, mm-hmm. we can't take every kid away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you for the call, Gilly. We appreciate it very much. Moving on, Mike in Florida. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Mike from Orlando. Just calling in, uh, just listen to your jackhammer episode. Um, welcome to Living in the City. Um, but, uh, yeah. So just uh, wanted to give you a call about a couple of headlines I woke up to this morning. Uh, One was that my lovely governor, Ron DeSantis, um, is accusing the federal government of not providing, I believe it specifically called out Joe Biden for not providing the infrastructure money as allocated in the the infrastructure bill that passed. and the other one was some former congressman said that Joe Biden should take a cognitive test like Trump did. Um, it's just kind of got me thinking about the nature of politics today. Is, is, and maybe this is just repeating, you know, what's already been said many times. Is that it doesn't even have to be true. They can just say it, and people believe it. They don't have to stop and think about it for more than two seconds. You know, the infrastructure stuff for Florida, you know, it reminds me of what – the first Trump impeachment was about. Was it not about the fact that we were withholding funds Congress had budgeted? Wasn't that the real problem? Obviously, you know, it doesn't look good when you're doing it for your own personal benefit, but isn't that what the real issue at hand was, is that when Congress allocates funds, the president, you know, cannot, you know, just come in and stop it for whatever reason. Like, that. that's, you know, an obstruction kind of move. So, unfortunately, you know, everybody's going to run off that, you know, are on that side of things saying that DeSantis is, you know, you know, standing up for Florida and fighting back against corrupt Democrats in Washington, when in reality it's probably, I would venture to guess, in absolutely no way true, uh, but they say those things. And then the whole thing about the Joe Biden cognitive test is it just feeds that whole, you know, thing that Biden can't think which is quite amusing if you listen to the man talk. I mean, when he gives press conferences, he goes for an extended period of time. Maybe he needs a nap. I'm not going to lie. He looks a little tired, but I don't think he has a cognitive disability. Anyway, thoughts of the day. Good luck with the jackhammer, and I uh, look forward to the next episode. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's going to love hearing the jackhammer <laughs> throughout the episode. But I think this is an important point specifically about – people talking about Biden's cognition and how he performs in interviews and in press conferences. Like certainly there has been a decline in how quick on his feet Joe Biden is. 
I don't think anyone would deny that. But age-related decline is not cognitive impairment. Absolutely. In in November, I just looked it up, November 20th, he turned 79 years old. Right. He's going on 80. Yeah. That's what happens, everybody, when you get old. Right. And, I mean, according to the... Montreal Cognitive Assessment, the MOCA, the test that Donald Trump would brag about how well he did on it. If you go take a look at it, it's it's not testing the cognition that I think people are thinking of when they think of a cognitive test. I, I don't know what most people think of when they think cognitive test, but you're going to be asked it's to name... It's not an IQ test. Yeah, you're going to be asked to name different animals. You're going to be asked to recall certain words that were given to you during a a prior part of the assessment. You've given the test to me here on the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you did. You did really great. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's that's what the the funny (laughs) thing, the the depressing thing about it is, is that conservatives, the same people who are asking for Joe Biden to take the test are the ones who acted like Donald Trump, like it was an SAT and (laughs) oh, the doctor's. They said I did better than they've ever seen. That's not how the test works. (laughs) I mean, am I right to say that the test is designed to identify deficits in memory and identify like senility or or the the early onset of senility? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's not like, oh, that guy's super smart. Oh, my God. Right, absolutely. It's, oh, my God, that guy's not senile. Yeah, I so, mean, I'm using everyday man language here. Sure. Dumb guy language. But. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so it it gets frustrating hearing this because it is just partisan trash. And they, yeah. they know what they're doing. And it's it's a variation of the sleepy Joe Biden that I think yeah. that they think is, like, acceptable. So it is. Well, it, this is it. That's what frustrates me is, look, I, I don't think I'm no stalwart defender of Joe Biden. Anybody who listens for any amount of time knows that but i will say this the guy does town halls and he answers questions extemporaneously and speaks impromptu but it's he's not his brain's not melting away he's not they don't have to prop him up and wheel him to a microphone it's not a uh, a woodrow wilson situation where the, the the wife is actually running the country while he's laying in bed having had a stroke and can't even talk right it's Joe Biden's fine. Yeah. Joe Biden's absolutely fine. He not, might not be um, being the, the greatest president in the world right now, but he's not senile. Yes. And and as far as the the, the, the Ron DeSantis thing with the, the infrastructure bill, anything to score political points with these idiots anymore. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about it is all of these Republicans who voted against the bill and now they they have their hands out greedily. Oh, yeah, give me that infrastructure money. They voted against it. I did a video a couple weeks ago that there are these congressmen, and Steve Scalise is one, the the other, I can't remember his name, the other goof who always wears like three-piece suits, and he's, he's, a, he's a real uh, dapper fella. Mm-hmm. He's also, they are touting these infrastructure um, pro- projects in their districts like they had something to do with it and they voted against it right Ron DeSantis is the same type I mean he didn't have a a, a say in whether it passes or not because he's a governor mm-hmm. but he would have been one of the ones to vote against it and now he wants where's my money where's my money of course Ugh, yeah gross 
Anyway, Mike, thanks for the call. Sorry you have to live in Florida. Moving on. <laughs> hey, Jesse. Hey, Brady. This is uh, Mark from Morgan. I'm doing the cardinal sin of uh, being in my car while I'm calling you, but uh, I listened to your uh, se- uh, to, uh, 774 episode, and you're talking about uh, Biden talking about unity and the uh, comments, uh, the stupid comments. Yeah, they were. I will agree with that. Uh, about Mitch McConnell, and uh, while they were stupid, I'm not, this is not a cop-out, and this is not giving them an out, but you said it in the past before, Jesse, and I think Brittany might have said it. I could be wrong, so I believe with that caveat, uh, but that Bill Biden still has that Pollyanna outlook on how the Senate is, uh, you know, you do this, I'll do that. We come to an agreement, and it, you know, a man's word is a man's word. And frankly, uh, Joe Biden really does tend to think that that the, the Senate Republicans and the House Republicans uh, can be brought back into the the fold of uh, government that works uh, for the people, by the people, to the people. The question I have for you, Jesse, though. You were a, a Senate uh, a Senate employee, and you saw the workings of government firsthand. How do you juxtapose your experience uh, in the time that you worked in the Senate to what you see see today? And and, uh, and obviously, you know, uh, may, have you ever did you ever have the chance to meet you know some of these? Uh, Republican senators that uh, you know you talk about today, and how, if so, how have they changed? You know, in uh, in the years succeeding uh, uh, that. Anyhow, I know this is a little bit rambling, and, but I do love you guys very much. Give me through my day of the crazy shit that I see here, and. Uh, Hope you guys have a great weekend and have a happy Valentine's Day. And hopefully that uh, jackhammer <laughs> will stop going through your head. You guys take it easy. Bye. Great call from Mark. Great question. Yeah, listen, I don't, well, one, obviously things used to be more reasonable relative to like bipartisanship. And the question can be asked whether that's a good thing because a lot of advancements in civil rights and human rights um, got delayed because of that bipartisanship. They were able to look the other way on on LGBTQ rights. They were able to look the other way and, oh, well, we're going to get along and we don't want to rock the boat too much mm-hmm. on on voting rights and civil rights in that way. So the argument could be made that even then when it was bipartisan, it was a negative thing. But it certainly was more kumbaya, if you will, when when I was there and Trent Lott was the majority leader and Tom Daschle was the majority leader, both, you know, a a a Republican with Trent Lott and Tom Daschle Mm -hmm. uh, as a Democrat. Um, The problem with it is, is that Joe Biden looks back at the time when he was in the Senate for 40 years or however long and looks fondly on that, but doesn't recognize that that's in the past. Those times don't exist anymore. We now have a Senate filled with people 
who vote to acquit Donald Trump twice in impeachments when it was a cut and dry slam dunk case to get him out of there. Right. Where he's asking foreign leaders enlisting their support to interfere in our election. It's on. We have the transcript. We know what was said. Mm -hmm. We watched him incite an insurrection against the United States of America and attempted overturning of a free and fair settled American election. And you got Joe, you got uh, Ted Cruz, and you got Josh Hawley up there pumping his fist in solidarity with these assholes. These are members of the Senate now. Mm -hmm. And finally, Mitch McConnell comes out finally and says what he says doesn't implicate Donald Trump, but it's a different Senate. So Joe Biden needs to step into modernity. Deal with reality on reality's terms. deal with reality on reality's terms. That's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. So it is a good question. I I always like to talk about having worked in the Senate because, and oh, about knowing these senators, I, I don't... I don't really know. I didn't know Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any interactions with him. But I had several with Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I had several with other people who went on, like John Ashcroft from Missouri, Senator Ashcroft, who went on to be the Attorney General under George Bush. Just a arrogant piece of shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, no, <laughs> I didn't meet him, so I don't know. Well, what you, you know mean? what an arrogant piece of shit is. I yeah. So I, he was like that. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> there were several. Listen, I've talked about this many times. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but when I got to the Senate, I was you know pretty hard right conservative still. Yeah, and I had this like I was the type that would sit down and watch C-SPAN. Like, mm-hmm. like an idiot. Like you, there's better things You're the to one. do. Yeah, I'm the I'm the one. <laughs> I'm one of the five. And I got there thinking that all of these Republicans were going to be wonderful, upstanding patriots who loved America, and Democrats were just these pinko commies who wanted to destroy the country. <laughs> I, you know, I believed like a lot of these idiots believe today. Yeah, yeah. And then I got there mm-hmm. and realized, oh shit, there's a lot of really good people who are Democrats, who really love America and Americans. Yeah. And then there are a lot of real arrogant pieces of shit. Christopher Shea was a Republican from Connecticut on the House side. That guy threw his cell phone at me as hard as he could, and it smashed against a wall. Oh, wow. Because I wouldn't let him come into the Senate chamber with it. Now that's abusive. So That's just one instance of many that turned my my mind that, oh, I was wrong about this. Mm Mm-hmm. That it's not just a party thing. That these individuals who you think are noble are actually assholes, mm-hmm. and yeah. and vice versa. So well, and that's what's uh, a bummer about what Mitch McConnell said when he was giving his statement about the RNC, basically saying that listen, we don't kick people out of the party or we don't denigrate them simply because they have different views or different values. Because of the party system that we have, there's less incentive for Democrats to criticize those in their own party, less incentive for Republicans to criticize those in their own party because you are incentivized to stand together regardless of how terrible someone might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that AOC often gets criticized for doing is that she doesn't do that always right she's able to criticize other democrats and she gets attacked for it like why are you criticizing another democrat you need to stand together you need to ensure that you are defending your fellow democrats as commentators we get that too i was just gonna say it's something i face on an almost daily basis anytime i put out a video 
either it just doesn't get watched because people don't want to hear anything. Oh, what do you mean? Right. Or I get the pushback of, what are you, a Trumper now? Like, that's, it doesn't have to be those two. It's not either one of those two things. Right. And listen, if it's, if it is not legitimate, the criticism that you're hearing, and it's just a baseless, mindless attack, then sure, I think those comments are good. Ensuring that people are able to stand against their arguments and they're actually meaningful. But if it is meaningful criticism and it's legitimate, then a knee-jerk reaction of we shouldn't be criticizing fellow Democrats, it's not good enough. It it reminds me of uh, a week or so ago when we were in an Uber, maybe two weeks ago, yeah, and the, the member, the Uber driver, was like bitching that Andrew oh, Cuomo, right? And then why did they? Why did Chris Cuomo get fired? Yeah. Well, Republicans do it. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares if our people act bad? Republicans do it too. Yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. Because you have no moral ground ground to stand on. Yeah. If you look the other way when your side does it, then your outrage when Republicans do it is fucking meaningless. Right. Absolutely meaningless. Yes. Anyway. Great calls. Fucking great calls. Absolutely. We love it. Um, Before we move on, we want to talk about uh, this month's sponsor on the podcast, Noom. One clear advantage of D.C. over Southern California. One clear advantage of D.C. over Southern California is walkability. Though our cross-country move through a wrench in our daily routines, at least now we can simply open the door and go get some exercise. <laughs> Imagine walking to the grocery store in Orange County. Uh, no. <laughs> exercise has been a primary focus of mine over the last six months since I started using Noom. Noom is not a diet. It is not simply a weight loss tool. It is a program that uses psychology and social science to change your behavior. We are so excited to have Noom sponsoring the podcast this month as it has helped me lose weight, exercise smarter, and feel better. Go to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to get your health headed in the right direction. Noom's super detailed exercise and food trackers give me a clearer understanding of how my effort is stacking up and where my calories are being spent. Wait until you see their food budget. You can even track your daily water intake and gain insights into your sleep habits. And you can do all of this in less than 10 minutes per day, thanks to Noom's use of cognitive behavioral therapy dispensed in intuitive and insightful lessons. Cognitive behavioral therapy is an evidence-based practice that helps people gain a clearer understanding of their negative thinking patterns and triggers so they can better change their behavior. This is how Noom goes beyond just a diet. Get your 2022 on track. Head to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30 second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to chart your path towards better health. So once again, thank you to Noom for sponsoring the podcast this month. And if you would like to support the show, this is a great way to do it. Take that 30 second Noom quiz and uh, it goes a long way towards supporting the show. It helps us a lot. All right. Moving on. Dilemocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there was conservative fervor this week. (laughs) 
about the conservative fervor about the government planning to spend thirty million dollars on crack pipes. Oh yeah. Don't know if you heard about it. <laughs> Possibly you did if you watch Fox News or if you see clips of Fox News in your social media feed. Or if you have if you've heard of any Republicans on Twitter, this is all they were talking about last week. Well, and crack pipes started trending on Twitter. It yeah. was talked about so often on Twitter. So Which by the way, not true. Not true. And press secretary Jen Psaki was asked about it at a press conference. Thanks, Jen. Um, HHS just put out a statement clarifying um, around some reports uh, that crack pipes are not going to be part of the safe smoking kits that are funded by Mm -hmm. the administration. Um, But can you clarify for us, were they never a part of the kit or were they removed in response to this reporting and this pushback? They were never a part of the kit. It was inaccurate reporting and we wanted to put out information to make that clear. What is in the safe smoking kit? Uh, a safe smoking skin may contain alcohol swabs, lip balm, other materials to promote hygiene and reduce the transmission of diseases like HIV and hepatitis. I would note that what we're really talking about here is steps that we're taking as a federal government to address the opioid epidemic, which is killing uh, tens of thousands, if not more, Americans uh, every single day, week, month of the year. Uh, We put out this statement, though, because there was inaccurate information out there. I should say HHS put out this statement because there was inaccurate information out there and we wanted to provide clarification on the allowable uses for the HHS harm reduction program. It's not a change in policy. Uh, This program though is focused on harm reduction strategies including prioritizing the use of fentanyl test strips and clean syringes and all of these harm reduction services uh, that will be supported by these programs are are intended to save lives from an epidemic that we know is uh, is devastating to communities across the country. And then so just to put a final point on it, does the administration support any effort then to distribute drug paraphernalia, like the pipes that we were hearing about? We, the statement makes clear uh, that we don't support federal funding, indirect or direct, for pipes. So let's start with the good. I think this is a mostly good answer, particularly speaking against the inaccurate reporting and talking about the number of deaths and how the purpose of harm reduction is to save lives, really kind of getting to the root of what the administration is focusing on. And also, I mean, when it comes to drug policy in this country, most harm reduction programs have been ineligible for funding in the past. So it's really good that we are now moving in a direction of seeing harm reduction strategies receive funding from the federal government. One thing I will say is this distinction with the pipes. Are, are we moving on to the bad now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's not necessarily bad. It's just it's not perfect. And there are harm reduction programs that people have heard of that are quite common that are needle exchanges where yeah. people can get clean needles, clean syringes to use to inject drugs. And from my perspective, there is not a difference between providing clean needles and clean syringes to inject drugs and providing people clean pipes. Now, America is not ready to have that conversation, so I understand that Jen Psaki is kind of in a tough spot of having to distinguish, like, no, we're not talking about pipes here. We're not going to get into the pipes situation. Uh, Typically, when it comes to safe smoking kits, they include the things that Jen Psaki mentioned. They're a rubber mouthpiece to prevent uh, cuts or burns. 
from various other tools that are used for smoking, like metal cans or light bulbs, for example, if someone doesn't have access to a pipe. Yeah. And uh, disinfectant wipes like she talked about. But typically in safe smoking kits, you don't find things like glass pipes because they're expensive, especially compared to a rubber mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. So, like you would like if you ever sm- smoked a hookah, they they have those to cover, so you're not all sharing the same the nightmare scenario for Brittany Page. Yeah, we're all putting your <laughs> mouth on the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to compare it. Let me let me say this though. I understand if people bristle at the because I do. I bristled. We we've, we've been talking about this all week. You and I personally, and I bristle at the at the thought of at the prospect of the government buying hundreds of thousands or whatever crack pipes and then handing them out. It it just, it doesn't compute at first. But I have to use my brain and not my the, the pre-programmed ideas that are in my head. And if this is going to save lives, why not give it a shot? Mm-hmm. It's not going to do any harm. Mm-hmm. But if it reduces harm, here we are, harm reduction mm-hmm. then goddamn why not why not try it right and so i i think the focus on the conversation like where she's keeping it is good i just wish that at the end there it's like no we're not we're not funding pipes like it's not come on we're not doing the pipes right i, I just right. wish there wasn't that attitude and maybe it's just my sensitivity to it that i'm picking up on that but i i think that like I said, America's not ready to have that conversation. We're just getting to a point where maybe people are starting to wake up to the benefits of harm reduction because of the serious overdose crisis that we are in. But Jen Psaki continues. Um, and then on the safe injection sites that the DOJ is evaluating, mm-hmm. um, was this a, an ask from the White House that they review that policy? Because I know that for years DOJ has opposed efforts to open safe injection sites. It's under litigation, so I can't speak to that. But what I can tell you and reiterate is that uh, the White House is committed, as as I will as I would reiterate for you, many Democrats and Republicans, including Senator Cruz, uh, to taking steps to address the opioid crisis. This is not an issue that is inflicting just blue states it is inflicting uh, millions of americans across the country and it is important that we take steps to address it so just final wrap of those two items what would you say to critics who are concerned that um the biden administration is somehow encouraging illegal drug use I think that it's important to step back and remember, just to put a little more of a fine point on it, that we're losing an American life every five minutes to overdose. We don't have time for political games. Uh, the president's right. focused on saving lives through harm reduction programs. That's exactly what we're talking about here. They work in red states and they work in blue states. We know they save lives. They help connect people to treatment and recovery. And they were endorsed this week by a bipartisan commission co-chaired by Senator Tom Cotton that examined steps we must ad- uh, take to address the devastating toll of overdoses. So what I would say is this is not a game. This is not a political game. This is an epidemic that is taking the life of a five of, uh, of an American every five minutes. And we need to work in a bipartisan way to address it. I don't know who the reporter is. And I don't know if she's just asking straight up questions to, to, to for her reporting or if it, she's one of those partisan idiots. But um, the, the questions that she's asking or the narratives that she's supporting are the same ones you hear from like county sheriffs who are like, we're not going to carry Narcan because we're not going to approve of people doing drugs. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's about, dumb fuck. It's about saving 
lives. Mm -hmm. If one person every five minutes is dying, not just dying in America, but dying from overdose, Mm -hmm. we have to get our arms around this problem and do something about it. Yeah, I thought this was a fantastic answer, and it really shows that we're moving in the right direction with this conversation. My original issue with the first half of this is pretty minor, and, and I understand why Jen Psaki took the approach that she did. I think once America is ready to have that conversation, I hope that people start to understand that the goal here is reducing harm, saving lives. If you're providing safer smoking equipment, then you are promoting inhalation over injection, which means that you're going to be ingesting lower doses of the drug, which makes it safer, uh, which is then going to reduce overdose risk. You have a reduction in injection-related risks like HIV and hepatitis C transmission. I mean, they're, they're, these are evidence-based practices. And so when people hear harm reduction strategies and think this is going to, if you give someone a safer way to smoke or inject, that's really going to incentivize them to do it, they're going to do it, and they're yeah. going to do it in a way that's harmful, and we have the ability to intervene in that situation and to build trust in communities by providing safer way to do these things to help get people into treatment. I mean, it is about saving lives. Get off your fucking soapbox about doing drugs. Let's because you know who doesn't get get sober? Dead people. Right. Yeah. Dead people are dead. There's no chance for rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. But someone who's alive there's still time to reach them and save their life. Yeah. So don't worry. $30 million is not being spent on crack pipes. It's also $30 million on the grand scheme of thing. It's fucking nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. But remember, harm reduction is important. So it's a good thing that these strategies are being funded. Yeah, that is absolutely. Uh, we're moving in the right direction, at least. You know, it, it, it's, not a, it, it's not the final answer. It's, it's a, a move toward a, 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 a national embracing, as I stutter my way through it, of harm reduction, which I think we all should take a second look at and and give it the, the fairness and charity as an idea that it deserves. And I'm eager to hear how the audience feels about this. So please give us a call or send us an email, 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. Special shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Andre C. Andre C. Austin. Austin. Scott B. Scott B. Thank you so very much for being our new Patreon supporters. And special shout out to Sheila O. Sheila O. For more than doubling the Patreon pledge. So great. Thank you very much for your support. And again, if you haven't received your magnet, please reach out on Patreon and let us know. Yeah, we, uh, we are daily getting those in the mail. And then the other thing is the return address label on those is going to our California address and the forwarding is a little janked up right now. Yeah. So 
if you haven't gotten one, you might end up with two because we're going to have all that mail sent to us and then we're going to have to resend them out and re-verify addresses. It's a whole thing. Yeah, so we do have a new P.O. box, and that is listed on our contact page at dollamore.com. Sometimes people send us things from time to time, and we just want to make sure that you know that we are no longer using the California P.O. box because we have moved to Washington, D.C. For obvious reasons. Yes, but but we are going to have someone go and check that for us and, and mail us anything that may be left there within the next month, so... Uh, if you have sent something there, hopefully we will get it when our very kind friend goes and visits the P.O. Box to give us our mail. Taking care of biz. Wordle. Wordle. Wordle is taking care of biz. Wordle's taking the world by storm. Yes, we have received. New York Times just bought it, by the way. Yeah, I am very upset because I completed. No, I opened my Wordle, and it switched over to New York Times. This happened yesterday, and after I completed my game, all of my stats had been reset. And I'm telling you, I had many twos, and they're gone. They're now gone. Well, now there's no proof that you had any twos. So I know. you had no twos. It's you horrifying. have no twos. It's horrifying. So why is Wordle taking care of biz aside from the indoctrination that we continue to inflict on the audience? Well, it's You know there are those out there who are too cool for something that gets popular. <laughs> yeah, of course. I sometimes am that person. Yeah, we've, but I'm not we've too all cool. been there. Not too cool for Wordle. It's fun. It's one game per day. Yeah. It's not like you can binge and waste a bunch of time. Yeah. It's one thing with your... Co- anyway, I'm not selling it. It's free. No, so. you are. We're indoctrinating the audience. So one benefit of it is that you can share your results with friends. It makes it a very social and fun game. It's all the fuck we need. And this, <laughs> this feature of Wordle actually saved a woman's life. I, I was in shock. 80-year-old Denise Holt was sleeping but woke up to a real-life nightmare inside her home near Chicago Sunday. She saw a naked man covered with blood holding scissors. Yikes. She said she stayed calm as he got into bed with her. I was Yikes. trying to survive, that's all. He said, I won't harm you or molest you. She says he ordered her to take a shower with him. Then he said, oh, no, I'm not warm enough. We have to take a bath. She says her nightgown was soaked after they bathed together and then the man went around the house disconnecting her phones he took two knives from my kitchen and he, he told me he liked those he was bleeding after breaking a window to get inside her home holt says he barricaded her inside a basement bathroom leaving her there for 17 hours i didn't think i was going to live holt's daughter in seattle realized something was wrong when her mother didn't read her text messages or update a popular online game I didn't send my older daughter a wordle in the morning, and that was disconcerting to her. (laughs) Friends and family alerted police, which led to an hours-long standoff with the man. SWAT team officers eventually shot a stun gun through a door to subdue him. I can't say enough good things. They were beyond wonderful. The man is now in custody. Police believe he has mental issues. Stephen Graves, CBS News, Chicago. So there we have it. You can have Wordle save your life if you are in a terrible situation. I mean, listen, if I'm not selling it, this story sells the fucking game. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) By the way, this is not an ad. We are not being paid by Wordle or by the New York Times. Though, wouldn't that be nice? 
They did pay seven figures for the game, did they not? <laughs> yeah. So this, we're so happy that this woman is safe. That is very good news. What a what a harrowing experience. Oh, absolutely terrifying. I mean, goddamn. Yeah, terrifying. A bleeding naked man with scissors and knives. Yeah. Who's systematically and methodically going through your house and unplugging your phones and shit. You yeah. know. It's not a good situation. Not a good situation. I I do hope that she was able to complete that day's wordle, and I hope she got and like, maybe seek some some trauma therapy after this. Got like a two, hopefully, <laughs> um, like a really strong finishing on wordle. But yeah, no. I, you think she's bummed that her streak is over? <laughs> I mean, they should have asked that in this news package. They should reset yeah. her stats. Like, just erase that day. Uh huh. That should be what's happened. I mean, we're, we're talking about really the important things now. Absolutely, so. yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. Thanks Excuse for joining me, us. You're going to make me look so callous when I was trying to tell a joke and then you get up on your high horse and you're like, hopefully she actually seeks help and you're being serious. Yeah, that's for you. No, it's for you. <laughs> we love you guys. We appreciate you. We're going to leave you there. We'll be back on Monday with another episode, almost back to back. Good times will be had by all. Until we do see you, we love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for all your support. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.